What is going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. It's Thursday today. And uh, man, we got a, a new series that we're coming at today, which is the Think and Grow Rich Mindset. So if you never read the Think and Grow Rich uh, book, it is a, uh, it's a bestseller. It's one of the most famous finance books of all times. And if you haven't read it, well, today's your lucky day because we're just going to talk about it. So you don't, we're going to save you four hours of your day, five hours of your day, and you can learn all of it in about an hour. <laughs> uh, or the course of this whole, this whole series, you can learn it all into really good and into depth. And the reason why this book is, is why I picked it, why it's so popular, uh, it's actually written in the thirties, right after the depression, the great depression. Uh, but the reason why it is so popular is because it's stood the test of time. And uh, as we get to a little bit deeper into this, you'll understand why it has stood the test of time. Um, it's, it's principles and stories and overall, like almost a hundred years later, it, it, all the values it teaches, they still apply to today, which is super cool. So uh, with that being said, we're going to start with episode one of the 13 steps riches. And before we dive in, I got two awesome um, co-hosts with me on here today, Mr. John Bodnar, Mr. Timothy Cruz. And so before we get into the 13 steps of riches, if you guys want to introduce yourself so that people know who you guys are and how you can help them not only get riches, uh, but help them get into the best shape of their lives as well. So John, if you don't mind starting first. All right. My name is John Bodnar and I'm a coach at BSB Wealthy Body Coaching. And my mission in life, my the reason you should listen to me is because I'm, I'm passionate about giving people belief in themselves and the, the ability to become the best version of themselves, showing them how it is possible to become your highest self and how to choose to do that and choose to do it today. That applies to health and that certainly applies to wealth as well. Heck yes, it is a choice. Uh, Tim, give us a little background on who you are, my friend. For sure, yeah. So um, what's going on, guys? I'm Coach Tim over at BSP Wealthy Body Coaching. Um, I am a self-admitted nerd slash meathead, which means I love learning and I also love picking up heavy things and setting them back down. Um, but really my, my passion, my true purpose in life is helping you, helping people become the best, strongest, healthiest, wealthiest versions of themselves. And I really love that we're, 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 uh, we're jumping into this book because as a, one of my mentors, Bedros Koulian said, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if we can conceptualize how to become wealthy, guess what? Your body is no different. So being able to translate skills really easy. And I believe being able to master your own body is kind of step one before, I mean, it's the easiest lead domino. We can master our bodies. We can master our relationships. We can master our finances. We can master our personal fulfillment. So I'm really excited to jump in and, and uh, chat about Napoleon Hill and what he has to teach oh. us. Yes, I, I'm excited for this too. And I, which right there is so key. It's like the lead domino is your health, right? And then obviously everybody wants wealth because it's a part of our, our civilization and so is health. So let's go ahead and let's dive in. Uh, so the reason why this book is so popular, right? The reason why it stood the test of time is because Napoleon Hill, who's the author of this book, he collected data from 500 men, like 500 men, right? Uh, who are all very, very wealthy, who started with nothing. This is the key. Like they, these are not trust fund babies. These aren't people who, who were handed the keys to the family vault. These people all started with absolutely nothing. They started from scratch. Um, and so, um, yeah, they saw their thoughts, ideas, and organized organized plans. And the cool part is, you now keep on this, the reason why I think it took 25 years is because it was back in the 30s, but it took him 25 years to make this freaking book. <laughs> like, John, how long are you going to lie for? About 25 years. <laughs> think about that, like Napoleon Hill just started like reaching out to people um, on, on Instagram and Facebook 25 years ago, right? <laughs> to get to get this to get this book read, uh, wrote. 
And so obviously the times were a little bit different, but like, just think about that. Like this guy dedicated 25 years of his life to, to bring us this book. That's just in that self, I think is really powerful. Right. <clears throat> and so again, like, I think that's actually the first talking point is like, um, like Tim, like just based on like understanding like how this book came to be and where it sits today, like, uh, what are some of your, like, what are some of your reasons why you think this book is important to not only read, but to actually dive, like take a deep, deep dive into? So uh, before we get into the reasons, um, another little tidbit of information is this was kind of like uh, Vincent Van Gogh um, in that Napoleon Hill actually didn't make any money off of this book until after he died. Mm. So like it took many, many years after there's a Napoleon Hill Foundation now. So that's, I mean, it's a best-selling book. Millions and millions of dollars have been generated off this book alone, but he didn't see any of it. He, he actually, it was like when we talked about the law of gestation, the law of um, like planting and reaping what you sow, like he put in his entire life's work in studying not just millionaires, but millionaires that were self-made that started with nothing. So I think it's really cool. Um, and I think if we can um, like to sum it up with maybe an adage or a cliche, if you will, like success leads clues. So all these people like the Rockefellers, you know, the, the, the OGs of the, of the wealth game, like they started with nothing. They started with nothing. And this was during the Great Depression when when I say nothing, I mean like freaking nothing. Like they were struggling to eat, struggling to get temp work. Um, and these people made massive organizations that are still around today um, from this era. And so he studied them to try to suss out what's the commonalities between these 500 great men or great wealth generators. Like, what do they do? And if we can start to see trends, we can start to see kind of pull out Pareto's principle of like, what actually works? Like, what is the 20% of our efforts that's going to give us 80% of our results? And we can actually focus on on our energy and our time and putting it into the stuff that actually works rather than going through trial and error. Because guess what? That's what Napoleon Hill did. He went through the trial and error. He, he figured all that stuff out. So we don't have to. Yeah. So, and there's one point I, I want to hit on, like, cause this book did come out like right after the great depression and like, it's different. Like people think that we went through a recession we're going through a depression, whatever you want to call it. But like, like Tim just said, like it was different, but like it was a, it was a real depression in the aspect of like, there was actually like um, real shortages not just like made up shortages. Um, and my wife's grandma is 93 years old. And um, she has, my wife and our, our daughters have coffee with her like every Friday. And so she actually was talking about the depression, right? Because because she lived through it. She actually talked about how they would get um, little tokens that they would take to the store that allowed them to purchase so much food or purchase so much clothes right and it was just really crazy to talk about but to think about like what if somebody like said like hey you can only buy this much food right you can only buy this much of, of clothes and, and and things like that it's like wow like different time different time so um john what what gets you excited about really diving into this book well really really what tim said is just like someone took the time to 25 years to to find that what these people have in common and something that is is repeatable something we can emulate rather than just saying like okay i'm gonna look at this one guy oh he does this this and this therefore i'm gonna do all those things and i'll be successful no we you gotta you gotta broaden that you gotta figure out okay what's what's actual causation versus just correlation or versus even coincidence and so to just have that an actual map laid out to take the mystery out of like what wealthy people do and how they got there is really exciting yeah and, and I'm excited to translate that into, into health and fitness as well, because that's going to be, I, I just know we're going to be really cool guys and draw some awesome parallels between the two. Yeah. 
Exactly. And if you're looking for quick fixes, like this obviously isn't, this isn't the case study for that, right? This is like the, the this is like the principles that have stood the test of time. And that's what I'm most excited about is like, it's, it's like it's something worked in the thirties and it's still working today. Like probably works for a reason. Now, why is that? And that's what we're gonna talk about. Is why is that still working today? What's the principle? How do we apply that? Uh, and how do we parallel it to your fitness? And how do we parallel to your relationships? And of course, how do we parallel to your finances? Because honestly, like if you don't have to worry about finances, you can have more attention to put on your health. You can put more attention on your relationships, right? You can, you can put more relation. You can put more attention on like doing the things you always want to do in your life. And so, uh, health, wealth, relationships—it's all—it's all wrapped into one. So, oh, and um, here's a couple of the notable people um, who are on here. There's obviously a lot more people. Um, these are just people, honestly, that I knew of. Uh, so like Henry Ford were, were one of these 500 people, uh, obviously created Ford, Theodore Roosevelt, Mr. President Theodore Roosevelt, and Woodrow Wilson, Charles Schwab. Most people have heard of, of Charles Schwab, or at least Schwab, the, uh, the finance um, company. Rockefeller, as Tim alluded to, alluded to earlier, the, the wealthiest family on the planet uh, still. And actually a little cool fact about them is like, um, the, right now they're the Rockefeller Foundation, it um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Not sources. They basically, they're able to provide over 150 family members, basically money. Uh, and like they've been going on again since like, you know, the, the 1800s, which is like insane. Right. Like they've kept their, they kept their money uh, since for a really long time where most families, like they lose after three or four generations. And so the Rockefellers, like there's a reason for that. Tom Edison, obviously one of the greatest inventors of all time, and Alexander Graham Bell. So these are just a few of the people that um, Napoleon Hill interviewed in this in this quest to uh, bring us this book, which I think is really really cool. So let's talk about the Edward Edwin C. Barnes story. So this is one of the very first stories in the book. Um, and so again. Basically, Edwin C. Barnes didn't know who Thomas Edison was at all, uh, but he had this idea that, and this, at first it was an idea that he was like, maybe I should go into business with Thomas Edison, who at the time was obviously one of the most famous people on the planet. He invented everything. Uh, and then all of a sudden it went from an idea to like a calling to all of a sudden just like he had to do it. And so this calling became so strong that without knowing it, without talking to him, without sending an email or text, <laughs> he literally just jumped on a, on a train, right? And a freight train at that, it wasn't just like a, it wasn't a passenger train because he couldn't afford the passenger train. He had to jump on a freight train with literally all the cargo and uh, illegally, some might say, and he, took, he went on a freight train to where Thomas Edison lived. Um, and then he just showed up at his door and he basically weaseled his way past the secretary to get to Thomas Edison and basically told him that like, I'm going to work for you. Uh, and like, he just said it with, with true authority, uh, but he had no skills. He had no influence. He had no, he had, he had nothing really to offer Edison besides this, this desire and this, in this faith, which we'll talk about are one of the two steps of the 13 steps of riches, but Edison heard something in his voice. And we talk a lot about, I, we talk a lot about tonality amongst ourselves when we talk when we do our training and drilling but Edison saw something in his tonality in the way he said it that is like okay like this guy is like he's not gonna take no for an answer so I'm just gonna give him a job doing something and then you know we'll see if he sticks and so that's basically what he did is uh he gave he gave Edwin C. Barnes a job I think as, as a janitor I believe is what his very first job was um at Edison's company so he didn't go into business right away like it, Edison was like okay you get to be in business with me right away um and so 
He worked for five years for Edison, right? Worked for him, not with him, worked for him for five years just to basically prove that number one, he had the desire, he had the faith uh, to actually last. And then all of a sudden his opportunity came, right? And so Edison was selling this thing called the Ediphone. And so Ediphone is, I did a little research on Ediphone. It's not, it's not like a, like a, like a telephone, like it kind of sounds like. It's basically almost sounds like a, um, it was like a data recorder type of, of machine. Essentially, that recorded phone calls, um, but most of the people inside Edison's company didn't think it would sell. Like it didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense to most people. But Barnes had the vision for it. He saw it, and he basically went to he went to Edison and said, "I can sell this." Right. Well, all of Edison's current you know staff members didn't believe in it. Barnes did, and so because he believed in it, he got the opportunity to sell it, and he crushed it. Right. Like, and. He, he crushed it and then Edison ended up uh, giving him the opportunity to go in business with him, giving him uh, a portion of the business. And then for, you know, over the next 30 years, they stayed in business together and made millions and millions of dollars, which at that time is a lot more than millions and millions of dollars by today's standpoints. And so um, that's kind of the story of Edwin C. Barnes and how he started with literally just an idea in his head and a desire and said he's willing to do whatever it takes basically to go into business with Edison. And we'll get at the time that'd be like saying like, we want to go into business with, you know, LeBron James or, or, or Trump or like, like some of these people who we look up to as like really like huge icons in our world. Elon Musk, maybe a perfect example, right? Uh, like, hey, I'm going to go to bed with, or in bed, I'm going to go into business with, um, uh, yeah, same thing maybe, right? Yeah. <laughs> Elon it could, Musk. It could work a little better. Yeah, exactly. And so that would, that would be the analogy uh, of this, probably that'd be the best analogy is like saying, I'm going to bed, I'm going into business with Elon Musk. <laughs> um, once was an accident, two times, not an accident. I don't like you saying yeah. that. So, anyway, <laughs> with that being said, uh, Tim, give me your thoughts on, on this story of, of Edwin C. Barnes and even, even a parallel that you maybe even draw to it as well. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot more to add to this story, but these are always my favorite types of biography, biographical stories is like he had nothing to offer, but his faith and his cojones, right? Which says a lot, it really does. So like in, uh, in my own personal experience, I know Logan has, has his story, I have my story, um, but I, I love these stories because I can relate to them. Um, and I guarantee if the Edifone wasn't selling in the beginning, Edwin Barnes would have kept selling it. He would have kept going because his faith was unwavering. So like for, for Logan, for me, I know we have very similar like stories of how we got into the, 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 the fitness game, the, the industry. Um, my personal story was fresh out of college. Um, I was working road construction, making really good money. Like we're, I think we're making like $85 an hour. I was easily pulling in 60 to 70 K during just summer break. Like that's how okay. I paid through college. And um, I was being groomed to, to take over the family business and, and, and have it pretty much set up. But I knew it wasn't what I was passionate. I knew it wasn't like really driven by that. Money is important, but it isn't like my number one driver. More fulfillment and, and serving people is really what drives me. And so I decided to step away from construction, go back to school, become a, a strength conditioning coach to get my CSCS. Um, and in the meantime, I went in, there was a, a strength conditioning place. It was called Sierra Strength and Speed in, in Reno, Nevada. And I, I walked in the door, I, I literally had, no clue who this guy was, the owner of the, of the business. I just walked in. It was the only strength conditioning place. And I knew that they had three uh, top strength coaches. Like one of the strength coaches was a strength coach for the San Francisco 49ers. The other one was a strength awesome. coach for the um, Oakland Athletics. And now one of them, he, he, he was working for the Reno Bighorns, but then he ended up becoming the strength coach for the New York Knicks. So these are like three top tier strength coaches in the nation now. 
Um, I just knew that they had a good pedigree and I'm like, I want to be around good people. I want to learn from the best. So I walked in and I, I pitched myself to them. Like I literally had zero clients at this point. I had a degree. I had no experience, but I had belief in myself. And so I told the guy, I was like, look, I'm willing to work here for free. And I worked for him for six months for free without any guarantee or promise of a job. And, and he didn't tell me it was going to be six months. He just said, okay, sure. Yeah. Come in. He's like, I want to see a few hours a day. Well, I was there for eight to 10 hours every single day. I showed up and anytime something was happening at the gym, I was there. I was right next to his side. And before, before you know it, you know, life comes up, the, the owner, he had five kids, you know, so he uh, always had something going on. They're all in like high school and middle school. And so every once in a while, he'd have to miss, miss, a, miss a session. And so since I was there, he started to trust me and he'd be like, hey, can you train so-and-so while I'm gone? I trust you. And I would do it for free. And I just kept doing it and doing it. And before you knew it, um, apparently they had a sit down meeting about me and they were like, you know what? He's a solid dude. He's willing to work for free. He's willing to put in the work, the time, the effort. He obviously cares. Um, they ended up hiring me on full time. And then I started to get to work with professional athletes. And long story short, out of that opportunity, I ended up, I ended up also coaching for the Sacramento Kings. So that NBA franchise. And then um, I took two athletes to the Olymp Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, one of which uh, got a bronze medal in fencing. So um, I wouldn't, and then honestly, like athletics, I love it, but that's not my passion. My passion is helping people lose weight and get healthy. But um, I wouldn't have got that experience to work with the top of the top if I wouldn't have believed in myself and followed through regardless of what the outcome was gonna be. So I think the corollary that we can draw there is really coming back to the law of faith like understanding that if you believe in yourself and that you can do it, the X's and O's don't really matter because you will find a way as you go in. And honestly, like the law of attraction is also a huge part too, because through that journey, I met the right people. I didn't know them to begin with. I had no clue who they were when I started, but I met the right people. The right people put me in contact with the other right people, which put me in contact with the next right people. And eventually actually put me in contact with Logan um, through Alex or Mosey, um, which was another one of both of our mentors. So I would never even have known Logan if it wasn't for me sucking it up, you know, believing myself and walking through that door the first day and just being like, Hey, I'll work for free. I don't care. I want to do this. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I actually didn't know that whole story. That's, that's, that's a freaking amazing story. <laughs> and I think what it really shows is like, it literally shows exactly the same principles it's just that having faith and just knowing like like you want to be around those people and like you did it without any expectation in return like you'd work for free for nine months if they if they would ask you to and you'd work for free for, for three months if they would ask you for that as well like you had no expectation uh, of when like you just knew that what you wanted and like it didn't matter how long it took uh and like when that was there you were there yeah the, the payment was really the the education that was i was getting from the top people same with edwin barnes his education was being one around one of arguably the world's best inventors of all time in Thomas Edison. It, it's so funny because like, if we were able to relate this, so it's like, okay, most people wouldn't do this. Right. And we can all agree that most people wouldn't spend six months, nine months, five years out of their life work for somebody for free because they feel like they're, they like, they're going to take advantage of, but people will spend five years and spend 20, $30,000 every single year or over the course of five years for college. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. what, where do you actually get a better education at? Like, like, would you rather like pay $20,000 $20, to Edwin's or excuse me, to, to Thomas Edison for five years or pay it to, you know, your state university. And we say it like that, it's like, well, I would pay Thomas Edison. Right. Well, this is how you pay Thomas Edison is you go work for this guy for free. Right. And I think intuitively that's something that you understood uh, is that like, 
and then if somehow you can actually get paid in this whole process, like then you're just freaking winning. Um, and so actually let's, I'm going to share a different story with you guys that I haven't shared uh, about this concept, uh, but I'm gonna let John go first. So John, tell me, um, when you see the story, what, what's the thing that really sticks out to you the most? Just, just the idea of just keep, keep going. You know, if you, if you know that you're in the right place or if you feel that you're in the right place, you're probably right. In fact, you're pretty much guaranteed that you're right. And, and so just by, by being there, being whether it's around people or in a certain environment that allows you to, over time, get to where you want to be, um, like stay there, keep doing the darn things and, and make it work because you know that your effort will be worth it in the long run. That applies to wealth, that applies to, applies to fitness, like applies to anything, relationships. You know, we, we've talked before about saying like, okay, if all you had to do was like these five things every single day without fail, like you would get to your goal no matter what, would you do that? And this is exactly what that, what that is. That's what Edwin did, right? He's like, okay, I know that like by being here, I'm going to get to my goal. So I'm going to keep being here every single day until something actually happens. Yeah. Just keep showing up, right? Just keep showing up. Um, so I do want to share a story with you. So my story is actually very similar to, to Tim's. Like I literally worked for free for six months to get into the, into the fitness industry. I shot a, a strength conditioning coach um, and that ended up led me getting my foot in the door where I worked a front desk position where I eventually got paid $7 an hour. And then I eventually got a personal training job um, after that because they just saw, because I, I was just around them enough that they were like, okay, like I trust this guy. Very very similar. So that's how I actually got into the fitness industry. But I want to share a different story of um, three years into owning my gym, I met Alex Ramosi, which Tim and I talked about earlier as well. And so um, Alex, like he, for some reason, I just had this trust with Alex and I ended up paying him. So I paid him, I actually did pay him lots of money to, to work with him. And he, uh, he delivered on, on all the promises he said, and we made a lot of money together. Uh, but there was a, there was a point where I was like, man, like I really want to like pay it forward even more. Cause I just, I feel like with Alex, there's something more than just like him being a mentor or just being a business coach. And so I remember one day I was like, I feel really inspired just to do a testimonial video for him. And so I did this testimonial video for him, just like never asked me to, I just, like, I just felt it. I felt inclined to do it. And I sent it to him like, Hey brother, like, I really just appreciate, um, I really appreciate you. And I, and I want to make this for you. And he ended up literally using that as an ad. And I, I, I can't tell you how many people reach out to me and how people I talked to who are inside our, our gym legacy program. They're like, I saw your testimony video. And like, it was the video that inspired me to do this program. Like just hearing your story. Right. And I was like, Oh, that was really cool. Uh, and then I was like, but the next thing I did is like, I reached out to Alex. I'm like, like, how else can I help you? Like, how else can I serve you? Like, I want to be part of you. Like, I, I just want to help you. Um, and so I ended up actually doing the daily calls, which were basically calls that were done every single day that were like, I don't know, like Q and a calls, things like that. I did those for free. Like I actually never got paid for those ever. Uh, and I just did them because number one, like I wanted to pay it for, but number two, like I actually got a lot from those. I learned a lot by answering other gym owners or other trainers, their questions about, you know, what was wrong with their business. I started to see a lot of trends, a lot of similarities and how I could actually use those in, in my business. Um, and then that, that actually came an opportunity where I was actually able to like do a, uh, a sales position for Alex where I got to like sell uh, a product that I love so much. And again, that only came to fruition because I would, I, well, first off, I gave Alex money first off. Right. But then I, I then I also offered just to work for free. And then it, it gave me to a position where not only was I learning this, this, this skill set of sales, but I was getting paid for it as well. So now that's what I, I, was, I was alluding to earlier. I was like, it's awesome if you can work for free. I, I agree with that. Now I'm like thinking about it. How do I actually get paid and get the skill set? Right. And that's, 
the next level of it as well. It's like you don't just have to work for free. Like there's certain there's certain avenues where you might like that, that might have to be the way to get your foot in. But if you can provide some sort of value and you actually get paid for it and you get the information, that's winning to me. And so uh, there's more than just one way just getting the cat. And like I've I've done lots of different ways, but uh, just being around people I think is is number one. Being around the people who you believe are the best and people who you can learn from the most. However you can, whether that's you paying them, which is a whole nother form, you're working for free, or um, again, it just be in their vicinity. And if you can get paid, even better, right? So anything can I add one more, one more thing to that? Yeah. So I think you touched on something that's really huge. Um, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So I had a superintendent back in my construction days that would say, man, it's really hard to soar with the eagles if all I am is surrounded by buzzards. Yeah. And and he was saying it's like a joke, like get your shit together. But in reality, what he means is like the same thing that Logan did, the same thing I did, the same that thing that Edwin Barnes did is surround yourself with people that have what you want, that are on the level that you want to be in. And guess what? You're going to be number six. It's literally just the law of osmosis. Even though there wasn't a law that we covered, it totally works. You know, if you hang out with five broke stoners, guess what? You're going to be the sixth broke stoner at some point. You are the company that you keep as cliche as that sounds. So if you need to upgrade your life, I would highly suggest upgrading your social circle, upgrading your influential circle. If you want to be the, the sixth fit person, hang around with five fit people. What do fit people do? How do they eat? How do they act? How do they treat their partners? What are their daily habits? And eventually you're going to start doing the same thing. And it's a great segue as we talk about what are the 13 steps riches. And one of those, as you talked about, is number nine, which is the mastermind, right? And that's that's the community. That's one of the that's one of the the steps, the paths to to riches. And again, like this is like this book obviously was a, it's a hundred percent dedicated towards wealth. We're going to transmute uh, <laughs> all these into wealth as well. And so, number one, desire, right? Desire and faith, auto suggestion, specialized knowledge, imagination, organized planning, decision, persistence, mastermind, sex transmutation. We'll actually talk about that one because that one I think it actually was a question that we've already got about this. Uh, so. We'll define that as well. Subconscious mind, the brain, the sixth sense. And so like, I actually see, actually, just by seeing this list, what is your, what are the things that send that to you the most, uh, John? Besides sex transmutation, I understand. <laughs> well, yeah, that's like the one that just jumps out at you. <laughs> um, what, what, actually, I'm most interested in the last one is the, the sixth sense. Talking about like what that, what that looks like, how you can use it and you know, I imagine it has to do with putting everything together. Yeah. Um, Tim, as you see this list, what are your, like, if you were able to summarize this list or just take your, um, the cliff notes, like, and break this down, how would you, how would you do that with this list? Well, the first thing I would do is uh, start with number one and two, desire and faith. You can't have the rest of them without desire and faith. And that's exactly what the last analogy you just gave was. He didn't know about intuition, specialized knowledge. Like he got that stuff because he had desire and faith. Mm. Organized planning, that's another specific skill that you can learn. Um, Decision-making, another skill you can learn. Persistence, I believe that's much like a muscle that you can train and get stronger. Mm. Um, the community came from literally the environment that he put himself in. But they're literally all subsets of desire and faith. So like having the desire to change something, kind of like we talked about with goal setting, mm -hmm. having the desire and then having the faith that if you put in the work, if you do the do, and you stay committed, that all these other things will follow. 
Yes, and here, like my first transition into into health, right? And we thought this before, but once you have the desire to make the change, and that desire is so strong that like there's nothing going to stand between you and whatever your goal is. 30 pounds, 40 pounds, you'd be able to look in the mirror and feel good about yourself. You're just being, waking up being a, a fit person. And like you have you having that desire and faith to do it. It actually doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't. You just, it just, all that matters is that you're going to do it. You're going to figure it out, right? And so that's, what, that's sort of that desire and the faith is so strong. And like, you'll get the knowledge that you need along the way, right? You, you figure out the plan, you'll make the decisions along the way, but it, it, it starts with having that true desire and just that faith and be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to lose the 40 pounds. And have you say that a true conviction, that true faith, uh, like there's something that stands in your way. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter like how many calories you eat. It doesn't matter if you eat so many carbs, so many fats, so much protein. If you exercise once a day, twice a day, three times a week, it is irrelevant because your desire is like, you just know what you want and you're going to get it. And actually how you do it, honestly, isn't that important. But the first two things, like as Tim said, are those are the most important things. And we talked about that in, in, in health. Obviously, we're talking about that in wealth as well. If you don't know what you want, you don't know why you want to be wealthy. Um, you don't know what your target is. You don't know how much money you need. Well, are you going to get it? Right? Like, if you don't have a plan, any, any road will get you there. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think that's, and then that's the same thing with like, if you don't have any desires, you don't have any, you don't have any like things that like you wake up in, in and excite you every single day. Like, yeah, you're just going to go aimlessly through life. So the thing that actually sticks out to me is that I see four things in here that I would consider like the same almost. And that's re relying on your, on your intuition. So I see like auto suggestion, which is basically intuition, uh, your subconscious mind intuition, the brain. Um, I would, I would probably consider that intuition as well. And the, and the sixth sense is intuition. And so it's like, it's, it's relying on this thing that is our gut, right? It's our gut a lot. And it gets talked a lot about, but uh, I think being able to truly understand your intuition and, and trust it obviously is a big piece of this because ultimately like the decisions aren't just as easy as like, you know, red pill, blue pill. Like they're just not really that simple, right? It takes a little bit of intuition, a little bit of faith. Ah, there it is again. Maybe faith can be loops in that as well, right? Uh, to be able to make to, for you to go on your journey. So that's the big thing I see. Um, anything else that you guys notice? You guys see this list or that excites you the most? I was excited to dig in. About sex expectation. Yeah, yeah. And so let's, let's just talk about this because what, what sex transmutation is, is as, as a species, we're, we're very much hardwired to mate, right? And so we're very focused on attracting the opposite sex. And a lot of our energy and time is spent on trying to appease the opposite sex or, or maybe even the same sex, right? Either way, cool, right? Um, but we spend a lot of energy on that. And so what, trans, what sex transmutation is, is our ability to transfer that energy where we're so focused on this desire to uh, attract the opposite sex uh, and basically transfer that energy and that focus into creating riches or into, into creating your health um, and um, that, that power, it's, it's powerful. Like, obviously like everyone who's a human being that knows like how powerful those urges, uh, how, how powerful love is, how powerful even lust is. And if you're able to transfer those emotions, those feelings into, uh, wealth or into your health, like that's freaking powerful. And that's how you wake up like with this burning desire. There it is again, to just go, go out and get your goals and go out and, and get what you're worth. So yeah. Anything else you guys want to add to this? 
Not for me. All right. Just ready to go. Ready to ready to dive in next week. Here we go. So we got we got episode uh, one of the Think and Grow Rich mindset uh, in the books. And so next week we're going to start with desire, right? The first step in the 13 steps to riches. And so I'm excited for this. Obviously, John, Tim, I'm excited to have you guys uh, dive in here and uh, really get down on that first step, which is desire. So appreciate you guys for hopping on here. Appreciate you guys' insight, your information, your desire to want to help other people. Seriously. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week with our Think and Grow Rich episode number two. So happy Thursday and we'll chat with you guys soon. All right. Bye. See ya.